Coming up on this episode of We're No Damn Experts, we're getting a history lesson about North America's largest buffalo jump, and Rebecca has some smack talk for our neighbors to the north. Best damn podcast, the best damn town. You want to get up, get ready to get down. Welcome to the greatest damn town in Montana, Great Falls. I'm Rebecca Ingham. And I'm Shannon Newth. And, and we're, we're no, no damn, damn experts. experts. We've been practicing this. Yeah, we, we get pretty it. excited. We do. We're good. <laughs> it's going to be secondhand. It is. It already is. And today, I don't really remember what we're talking about, but I know there's going to be some <laughs> trash talking. start to the podcast <laughs> yeah. here. You're just excited for trash talk? Yeah, I'm okay. ready for some trash talking because I know there's a subject in this episode. Okay where we're going to get to trash talk. So okay. would you be so Very kind? excited for the trash talk. <laughs> would you be so kind as to introduce our expert today? Yes, we're no damn experts, but we have one today. His name is Clark Carlson Thompson from First People's Buffalo Jump Recreation Manager. Clark, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Okay, and I'm sorry in advance for whatever Rebecca's yeah, bringing up I'm with the excited. smack talk, but... It'll I be, am the loose good. cannon. Every time, <laughs> Shannon's going to be the professional, and I'm just going to pull us straight down into the gutter. That's okay. my job. So there's how your long? warning, Clark. <laughs> yeah. So let's start off easy. Yes. Uh, how long have you been with First People's Buffalo Jump, and how long have you been in Great Falls? Uh, I've been out at the Buffalo Jump since 2014, uh, and that's about as long as I've been in Great Falls, too. So wow. uh, I came up here when I got a job out there, and it's fantastic. What um, what led you to this job? I mean, it seems like a sweet gig. It's an awesome gig. I love it out there. Um, I grew up in Montana. I uh, grew up down in Helena. Always was looking for a job in recreation here in the state. And uh, Buffalo Jump just kind of called my name. I started out as a seasonal out there for uh, back in 2012. I um, wow. did a season then and finally landed a permanent job here in 2014. So I uh, was excited to get on with the agency and was excited to be able to stay in Montana and uh, yeah. get a job. That's fantastic. We're glad to steal you away from Helena and have you up here for yeah, sure. Not that big of a drive, folks. No, not but. that big of a drive, but we're glad to have you. So what does recreation manager, what all does that involve? Oh, So there's uh, quite a bit. Um, I would imagine. Basically, <laughs> anything that goes on out at the Buffalo Jump um, comes down to me. Um, okay. I'm the one responsible for making sure we have all of our uh, interpretive programs lined up, mm-hmm. uh, our field trips lined up, uh, making sure the center's ready for the public as they're coming through, making sure our trails are ready to go. Um, of course, I have a great staff I work with out there, too who've been there for about as long as I have. So we're a great team and uh, get to do a little of everything, uh, including some, you know, unfun stuff like budgeting and <laughs> all, all of that kind of... Rebecca loves that, that stuff. The admin Seriously. side of things. But, yeah. I don't uh, mind budgeting. Actually, I, I, I get nerded out about budgeting. She, she does. But, She's a numbers um, fiend. Everything else, like the admin developing board meeting packets nobody likes that yeah Yeah. there's most of the days are fun Uh, getting to check out archaeological sites pictographs petroglyphs things like that there was a lot so you you said a lot of different things there you have field trips the the all the things you just mentioned (laughs) there's a lot that happens at the buffalo jump i think that people probably don't realize they say oh it's a you know there's an old site there but there are a lot of events and things like that that happen there that we can get into I want to go back, though. What is yeah. a buffalo jump? I'm just going to yeah, say, who haven't heard? That's a great question. Yeah. Oh, uh, we get that question so many times. Right. People walk we in. We start people your direction We start talking about mm-hmm. First People's Buffalo Jump, and they're like, uh-huh. and then you can start to see you the gloss. Go, you have to backtrack and, like, okay, let's start with what is it? So you may not know what a buffalo jump is. Mm-hmm. So here is Clark to explain to us yes. <laughs> how wrong we've been at describing at, at explaining this. explaining this to people. Okay, yeah. what's a buffalo yeah. jump? So uh, our buffalo jump, um, and pretty much any buffalo jump, is basically a site where the native people would drive entire herds of buffalo over the edge of a cliff mm-hmm. uh, in order to kill them. Um, it was used for basically procuring a huge amount of food or hides or bones for tools, um, all in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. Um, all pretty much done in the days before the horse was in the area. So it goes back. Uh, our buffalo jump out at First Peoples is at least um, 900 to 1500 uh, wow. AD. So it goes back quite a ways. Uh, and 
buffalo jumps pretty much that's how the native tribes hunted um the buffalo during the before so they had the horse clark i may have told a lie today to some people about <laughs> already it's yeah still early in the day well there was a large rush about nine okay. o'clock <laughs> how many bison would they drive off of the cliff in general? In general, it'd probably be anywhere from about 50 to 150 animals at a time. Um, That's (laughs) That's basically the size of a rough fleet. Um, Any of the herds that you would find during uh, the time of year they'd be doing the hunt. Clark, I just want it noted for the record, I said 50 to 100, and I'm like, after I said it, I'm like, that could have been a complete lie. I have no clue. (laughs) So we can't take anything you say seriously until we verify it. I said it with great conviction, Yeah, and turns out I mean, that's how the battle in life, right? Just convincing, (laughs) saying things with confidence. Yeah. Yeah, you were right, though. Yeah, I was. Look at that. So the the buffalo jump, some people might say, not love that that idea or that Mm -hmm. concept. Tell us a little bit more about the history of that. They used the entire buffalo there's nothing over, went like, to waste there's just tons of different things you can make out of the mm-hmm. buffalo of course you've got your meat which would just come from the muscle and things but you've right. also got the tendons which are used for sinew for tying the teepees together you've mm-hmm. got the hides um, used for clothing teepees um, they make what's called the um, par flesh um, which would be kind of like their tupperware containers that they'd use to transport different items what was that word uh, par flesh it's basically okay. just it's a old french word i'm not sure what the direct translation okay. is but uh, tupperware tupperware yeah. it's <laughs> tupperware um, that they'd I use like to that. transport things like their pemmican which they'd be making out of dried meat and berries that they found on the site hmm. um, and that's ba- the big method that they'd use to transport food so you may or may not know this answer but we're going to give it a shot <laughs> People have asked the difference between a buffalo and a bison. Ah, that's one of our most popular questions. Yes, I would figure it happens a lot there. Yep, Mm -hmm. Uh, we use them interchangeably out there, um, but... Technically, uh, buffalo are only found in Asia and Africa. That's uh, what I thought. Bison is in North America. Bison's the American. Mm -hmm. So, buffalo and bison are the same thing here. But in reality, from a genetics or species standpoint, they're two different things. Yep. (laughs) But we don't have buffalo here. We just call them that. Yep. Okay. That goes back all the way to like the old early kind of fur trappers coming through the area. Sure. Didn't really have anything to compare it to. And so mm-hmm. We're going to call this a buffalo. Yes. So mm-hmm. you can use it inter- interchangeably, but to be technical. Yep. To be correct. You here. have to. It is a bison. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or if you're, what is it? North Dakota State is bison. Yeah. Is we don't how, talk yeah. about them. Okay. Moving on. Yes. Uh, so first people's Bobcat oh, fan. Yeah. I'm a Bobcat fan. That's so. unfortunate. I'm yeah. a Grizz fan. Oh, my oh. God. Why did we even end up in the same room together? Yeah, next to each other, even. Wow. This is Do insane. you need me to sit between you? Because I don't really care. Well, yeah. we both <laughs> have equal distaste for the bison. That's true. Well, there you go. You so, can bond over that, at least. That. Yeah. <laughs> North Dakota State. Great Falls High Bison. We yeah. all like them. Because mm-hmm. they say it correctly. Bison. Bison. Yeah. Right. This is a tangent, but okay. it's, Sorry. it's a relevant tangent. We're, we're getting yes. back into buffalo jump conversation. Yes. So you, you told us a little bit about what a buffalo jump is. Ours here, and we'll get to this will lead to Rebecca's smack talk if, I, if I'm correct, but it is known as uh, America's largest buffalo jump. I want to come back to that in a second. I do have a more serious question Don't before we get into, into the smack talk. Okay. <laughs> so this was also, my understanding is, this was a unique place because it was a place multiple tribes could meet or use. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's there's about 13 different tribes that have some sort of oral history connecting them to the buffalo jump that we have out at First Peoples. Mm. Um, so it was a popular place um, with, within the traditional Blackfoot uh, Confederacy territory, um, but there were other tribes that'd be coming out um, using it. It was a kind of a popular place for folks to go to hunt the buffalo. It's basically just an ideal situation for a mm-hmm. buffalo jump out there. And I've heard it's more it's a more peaceful place, possibly for that reason, because multiple tribes yeah. came to yeah. use You've, it. Um, some of the oral histories talk about how it was known as a place of peace and cooperation. Okay. And so as the tribes would come out there, hmm. you know, if there's another tribe there, maybe they're not getting along elsewhere, but when they're focused at the buffalo jump, everyone's going to be working on the same hunt because yeah. when you got 150 buffalo going over the edge of that cliff, you want to have you as many the people there as you can get. Okay. Exactly. That's, that's interesting, but it's neat that that was known as a place of peace as well. I yeah. think it's the neatest thing about the buffalo jump mm-hmm. um, is that it, it, it was... Basically, it's Blackfoot land, mm-hmm. and the Blackfoot are like, no, come <laughs> use right. our jump, basically. Right. Open the doors and welcome them in, all the other tribes, because there could have been a lot of war, a lot of 
mm-hmm. turmoil with that many different tribes using the Buffalo Jump as a place to get their groceries, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that is a really... The Walmart of the day, if you yeah. will. Yeah. The Tupperware and everything. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Now so, go for it. Go for your smoke. Here we talk. go. Okay. Clark. <laughs> there are some people to the north of us. We can... Re- they will remain nameless, the people themselves. <laughs> But in Alberta, they have the Head Smashed In Buffalo Jump, and we will get people in here, and they're like, whoa, I've been to Head Smashed In, or I know about Head Smashed In. And they want to claim that they are the largest, or that it's the biggest. But in, in all reality, they can think that, but we are North America's largest Buffalo Jump. That's correct. Correct. Aha. Uh-huh. Got so three correct. miles of cliff that they'd run buffalo off. It's kind of a big horseshoe shape. So you've got three different sides to our jump with wow. a bone bed anywhere from about 12 to 22 feet deep around the edge of that cliff. Wow. There it is. It's huge. So head smashed in. Stop it. <laughs> Suck it. Have you, <laughs> have you ever been to head smashed in? I have been up to head smashed in. Oh. Um, Why do they... I won't go because they keep, keep <laughs> saying they're, they're so huge. Why do they think they're so big? Is it because it's tall and it's not taller. wide? Um, they've got a oh. much taller cliff. Um, it's about, oh, I think, like 50, 60 feet um, taller. tall, whereas okay. our cliffs are only about 20 to 30 feet. Okay. Um, then they should distinguish. They could say they're North America's tallest, right? but largest or biggest is not largest, correct. Largest, we've got three miles yeah. total cliff, all in yeah. nice big shape, so yeah. acreage-wise, totally blown out Far of the water. Far outbeat it. Okay. Take that head smash, Dan. <laughs> that Canada no we love you Canada come see us yeah come see us and see we can prove to you well we have here, the largest. here's the thing take them both in yes and then mm. you can claim whatever you want we know the truth <laughs> first people's is gonna be larger mm-hmm. maybe not taller but larger you're in height didn't matter how many you got <laughs> off the cliff mattered you're saying mm-hmm. size matters here <laughs> Not the tall, just the width. I mean, because I would bet, I'm just going to keep the trash talk going, head smashed in. It's not going to let 150 buffalo off a cliff at one time. Maybe. They, I don't actually remember how many they have going over the edge of the cliff up there. Could be about the same amount because um, oh. you'd actually be driving them all into kind of one concentrated area. We just It'd have be multiple. More congested. Di- yeah, we have multiple different kind of what are called the driveline setups where right. the buffalo would be driven over, pointing off to the different directions of our cliff. Okay. Whereas I believe Head Smashed in kind of has just the one, one central one point where they were all going into the same place. So well, that, a lot of opportunity for bison to turn around and go, yeah, did you see what's happening over there? We're done. I don't know if turn around is an option <laughs> at that point. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think if you're a wild animal, you would have figured out some way to That's turn true. around. Maybe. So at the visitor center there, you've got a lot of the archaeological finds of the day, mm-hmm. the, the tools they made or used, yep. right? Yep. We've got a archaeology display. They did some digs back in the early to mid-90s. Um, we've got some of those items on display, kind of explains the whole process of just how the archaeological digs took place out at the Buffalo Jump. Um, a lot of folks actually walk right by that exhibit without realizing it's there. It's oh. at our uh, park classroom, which is just right off our main kind of area of the exhibits. But it's a great exhibit. It's got artifacts on display. We've got stuff from the Buffalo Jump days going back to the Ice Age. Um, they've got oh, a wow. couple skulls from some of the really ancient bison before the kind of modern day ones that you see so even bigger um, as well as all the way up through homestead days and quarrying days where (laughs) that took place out at the park as well wow and in theory are there still bones and things up on those cliffs that haven't been uncovered yet yep there's most of the park has not been excavated okay Um, surveys have been done kind of over most of the park grounds but for the most part the digging itself was just in a couple minor areas kind of right below the cliff Okay, so say I'm hiking up there, and I <laughs> dig, and I find something. Am I allowed to take it? What's the rules no. on that? So uh, <laughs> anything you if find it's... in the park, you need to keep leave it there. Yes. Um, feel free to, you know, take pictures of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're really excited about it, come let one of the rangers down at the station know, and um, 
because it's our job to make sure that that stuff stays safe, stays right. in the park so other folks can enjoy it. And then also it's available for folks if they are going to be coming out and doing any sort of studies, mm -hmm. um, that it's still there and in context, which is a big deal for archaeologists. Yeah. So if Shannon shows up with a shovel and big pockets in her pants, <laughs> you're going to know something's up. I'll just have an She's innocent gonna look on my face. <laughs> Someone's going to definitely come talk to her if <laughs> we see some shovel. Me. <laughs> Shannon, what kind of hike are you doing today? I just like to hike with a shovel. It's fine. It's not weird <laughs> it's at all. It's my walking stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can, okay, so speaking of walking, you can either drive, there's two kind of different options to yes. get up to the top. You can yep. drive or you can hike up there as yep. well. We've got okay. a three mile loop from the visitor center up to the top, takes you to the same spot as the parking area. Mm -hmm. um, and then it walks you back down. There's an interpretive guide um, for folks to do it kind of self-guided. There's 16 different stops, a um, couple different archeological mm -hmm. sites as folks are going that we've yeah. labeled and identified. So you can learn about the blood kettles, um, which oh. are where they would process and make the blood pudding. Uh, that, that does not sound According to some, the kids went crazy for. Um, well, they made it kind of taste like ice cream. Yeah, you add pudding to something and it makes it yeah. more appealing. Yeah. So the, it's one of those stops on the way. TP rings. Um, you'll be mm -hmm. right at the base of the cliff as well. Um, and then if you're interested, just driving up to the top, you can pop down uh, just below the cliff as well. So there's lots to see there, and there's still little bits of bone and flat hmm. flakes from the stone tools that they were using. Wow. So what's the best way for someone to experience the buffalo jump? So. They show up in the parking lot and you want to tell them this is the way to get the most out of your experience here. What do they do? I think the best way to kind of experience the buffalo jump is getting out on the trail. Um, mm -hmm. If you can take that three-mile loop, um, you're going to see some great scenery in the area. You get views of the, all the way up to the Rocky Mountain front. There's Actually, when you're up on top, you can see five different mountain ranges from up there. Wow. I didn't uh, realize so there was five. It's quite a lot you can see yeah. when you're up there, three different buttes. Um, it's spectacular. You learn all sorts of facts about the prairie, the history of the park, mm -hmm. uh, not only just the native history, but there's also some homesteader history as well as the quarrying history uh, there at the park as well. Uh, and then once you've kind of done the hike, um, you want to come out and cool down because uh, of course, being out on the prairie, I think we have two trees in the park, um, <laughs> both right next to the well, visitor center. I was going to say, I've never yeah. even seen them. Wide open spaces, that's and, what and it is. Trees a loose term. <laughs> yeah. They're more shrubs. Bushes. A few little sticks. Yeah. Um, but then once you've done the hike, um, of course, uh, if you want to come inside, we've got the guides that are uh, available. Those are inside the visitor center. So stop by, get those, then head out on the trail. When you're done with the hike, come in and enjoy the air conditioning. Grab, uh, we've got some water in there too for folks to, you know, rehydrate after the hike yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you can really get into depth with the different stories that we have um, we have interesting information on the different tribes here in Montana um, but our kind of uh, main feature is our exhibit on the buffalo jump mm. um, it tells the story from the Blackfoot perspective as they uh, folks go through there's a story that plays kind of motion sensor that uh, mm -hmm. recites a really popular book called the buffalo jump <laughs> and uh, you get to hear the story from the perspective of a young man uh, the buffalo runner who was the mm. one who was leading the hunt you got excited about the motion sensor. Yeah, I did not know there was the technology <laughs> there. I've been out to the Buffalo Jump a number mm -hmm. of times, but I'm usually cornered into the classroom. Mm -hmm. I guess maybe I, they didn't ever they want, want me you to in the back. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, hi, you you're coming. here. You need yeah. to go right there. <laughs> this is where you're headed. Mm -hmm. So you're high. So it's a prairie. It's yep. hot. If yeah. you're gonna hike. There's snakes out there. We do have Just a lot of snakes. Just want people to be aware. Yes, we do have. They know. Uh, we do keep the trail mowed down, weed whacked, mm -hmm. so you can hopefully have a good, good view of anything coming up ahead. But of sure. course, um, this is the snake's home, so they're yep. out and about, slithering <laughs> around. You're in their you house. Know, mm -hmm. You may, you may encounter them. We do have the prairie rattlesnake out there. Um, usually, folks are seeing those. If they do, it's going to be up closer to the cliffs, um, okay. where the snakes can kind of dart in and out of the rocks. Mm -hmm. um, so, folks do need to be mindful of that. And if you're bringing your pets, we do allow pets in the park. Um, just make sure that you keep them on a leash because we want to make sure everyone goes home happy and healthy. Yes. Yeah, great idea. Mm -hmm. So, you do guided hikes every now and again, but that's not a standard feature. Uh, we do them usually a few times a year. Usually we do more of ours in the winter. Okay. Um, and we do those hikes out to our pictographs and petroglyphs. Uh, and we do those in the winter because, of course, the snakes are down in their dens, so we don't have yes. to worry about them. I uh, like that part. But mm -hmm. the guided hikes are, um, we try to do one of those once a month, um, usually roughly October through March. Okay. Let's educate our listeners as well as maybe some of the hosts here. Um <laughs> Pictograph and petroglyphs, what are those? Uh, they're both different types of rock art. Uh, so we have some pictographs, which are items that are painted onto the rocks. Um, so we've got, oh, it's about half dozen or so pictographs um, hmm. that are most likely about 500 to 1,000 years old. Wow. Um, they're made with a red ochre paint and just painted directly onto the sandstone. Um, my favorite place in the entire park 
um, we lead folks to it during this hike is our wall of handprints. There's 50 handprints uh, really? at least in one little kind of concentrated area there. Most are real faded, but we've got some uh, enhanced imagery of them. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you can really just see how much wow. they kind of pop. And um, it's 50 that you can still about, see. Archaeologists have identified at least 50 in that wow. general area. That's incredible that after all that time, even though faded, that you can still see that. Mm-hmm. That's it, amazing. It's my favorite place because yeah. how better to connect yourself with the place than looking at your hand and literally looking up on the wall. Prints. And it's literally yeah. same size, just someone else was there 500 years before wow. and there's still that evidence. And I can't get my bear paint on my house to last longer than five <laughs> years. <laughs> it's a different different time. Yes, You just need to use that red ochre. Yes, there you go. I don't mind a red house. Let's yeah. get it done. There you go. The last way longer than any of us. So where are, I didn't realize, I've been out to the Buffalo Jump numerous times. I didn't realize that there were the, the pictograph. Where mm-hmm. is that area? It's not on the main trails at all. Okay. Um, it's off kind of to towards the west of the park um, okay and so it's that's why we do them as a guided hike so mm-hmm. that way we can have the, the rangers out with the folks and people don't show get lost exactly. wandering around out there don't get lost yeah. it's right at the base of the cliff there's lots of kind of scrambling around rocks okay. and shrubs and things like that so you don't advise people to do this uh independently it, it, they're welcome to explore in the in, especially in the winter when the snakes are down <laughs> mm-hmm. but um i've gone out there in the springtime and I've never seen so many rattlesnakes walking through oh, the tall gosh. grass around those pictographs. So yeah. I think okay. I almost stepped on three or four one time. We will add that to our winter list of our itinerary, though, yeah. because there are plenty of things to do here in the winter. And that's another one that if you're not a skier or something like that, this is something you could do in the winter. And mm-hmm. it sounds like that's the best time to do it anyway. Yep. Right. Stay away from the snakes. Yeah. <laughs> so we covered <laughs> petrol Picto. pictographs. What are the, what is the other one? Uh, petroglyphs are basically <laughs> etchings into the stone. Okay. Um, those are made usually with a stone tool um, or a metal tool. Uh, and one of the cool things is if you know it's made kind of by a metal tool, it's got like straighter kind of etching lines, mm. whereas a stone is going to be kind of more jagged. Okay. Uh, and you also know that that means it was after about 1700s or so when metal it tools kind started of making their way in here. Okay. Uh, and so we have a couple of those in the park um, made with metal tools. So we know those were uh, kind of much later than the pictographs yeah. that we have. Wow. So there are many ways so to enjoy it. Do you have any more questions about not, Picto? Not about Picto? this. Okay. Oh, thank okay. you for educating our listeners. All of us, yes. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> so we can go hike out there. You can look into the interpretive center. But there are also a lot of neat activities that you do all yeah, year round. One of them that I, well, there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them that I wanted to make it to and I haven't yet. There's a yoga, like a sunrise yoga you can do on top of the cliff up there. How did I not know about this? Yeah. yeah, we just started this program uh, oh, a couple right. couple of years ago, um, but we've been doing it. On, um, usually, we try to do it around the solstice, um, kind of that yeah. last part oh, of June. Perfect. Um, but we had about, I think, 15 folks come out for it this year. They got to go up to the top. They did their uh, about an hour of yoga with one of the uh, local instructors here in town. Uh, and um, they just had a had a blast. Everyone came down, big smiles on their face, looked nice and relaxed. And, yeah. Um, yeah. It was a beautiful morning for it. I think it was, you know, maybe 60s, sunny, yeah, just perfect. still, which is uh, quite odd mm-hmm. out there since we get our fair share of wind. Especially yeah. up top there, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. 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 So that's the yoga one I want to do. Do you make that. the yogis walk all the way up to the top or do they start at the top? They start up at the oh. top. They they drive. They, yeah. they could, could they do could. the walk, but... <laughs> If you want to get three miles earn in your before, yoga. yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, earn your yoga. No, that's that's on my list of ones that I, I just haven't been able to make it yet. But I want to do that just to see the sunrise from up there. It's just such a yeah. gorgeous. I mean, it's worth, if nothing else, it's worth just going up there just to see the views. Like you said, five mountain ranges. Yep. Is that right? You can see the Rockies, the, the high woods, the big belts, the little belts, and the Adels. Oh, wow! So yeah, I didn't realize it was five. Yes, yeah. all sorts you can see. So. The one event that I have been out to, which is coming up, is the Buffalo Kite Festival. Yes. Yep. We are excited for that. Um, and I'm just going to say, <laughs> I went out Smile and um, I got to make my own kite and then fly it and it flew. Wow. Yeah. I still I'm have impressed. it and I fly it in my yard. <laughs> so I just want to say, it is not just for kids. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to want to take your family out there, but you as an adult and a parent and grandparent, mm-hmm. make your own kite too. Yeah. It did is you so much decorate fun. it? Yeah. What did you decorate it as? Um, I did a lot of stripes and circles. Mm-hmm. I did a bunch of different patterns. I will give you a tip because I was with someone. Pro tip. I was with someone <laughs> who did bands of color. Uh-huh. 
don't put a lot of ink on your on your kite. Oh, so does it weigh it down? It it doesn't fly as good. Okay, um, this was <laughs> just bands of solid color. The Which other seems like team that would I was be pretty because it's could gorgeous. See it. It's gorgeous when it's flying, but it doesn't. When fly. it's flying is the key. <laughs> it doesn't okay. fly well. Mine flew really good. Wow! Not that it's a competition, <laughs> but it was so much fun. Absolutely, so much fun. And I was nice. The child I was with that made their very heavy that you were competing kite. with. Oh, this was the child that did the bands of color. Yeah. Okay. Um. The child and my spouse. <laughs> I ultimately had to give up my kite for them to fly because theirs wasn't flying very good, and mine oh, does. So you know, nice you really want to put have aside a your competitive person. Wow! But the staff there was absolutely amazing. They didn't make you like it's a really simple thing to put together mm-hmm. when you have some assistance and instruction of how to do it, but. That was the funnest part for me. They did have the big professional kite flyers, I'll call them, and the big kites available, Mm -hmm. and they were up for a little bit. But making your own kite is really cool. And so, yeah, it's not just for kids. What is, so we've talked about how you can make (laughs) kites, but what else is involved with the kite festival? So, yeah, of course, kids and families and adults can all come out, make their own kites. We'll have kite kits available for folks to purchase, and you can Mm -hmm. do that, and it's that's always fun watching all the kids get out there and or even Rebecca. the adults yes you know get out there get those kites flying because mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need a real strong breeze for those kites but when yeah. we can get the bigger kites out um, we work with skywind world um, which is a nonprofit that does a lot of work with uh, native artists and creating these really large kites mm-hmm. um, so if we get a nice strong steady breeze we can get those big big kites up there yeah. and by big i mean they're like you know four feet by six feet wow um, huge images and on they're them. works of art i went to it last year i didn't mm-hmm. make my own Sadly, but I did get to you see. Missed, I missed out. You missed out. Yes. Uh, but I did get to see. They're literally works of art mm-hmm. on these kites, yeah. which I'm glad I'm not attempting to fly them because I would oh. totally demolish these beautiful artworks or take yeah. someone out. I can yeah. foresee that <laughs> happening. So, yep. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if the kite flyers are listening, but I will tell them. If you have the interest <laughs> in handing that kite off to someone, don't. You don't know if they're going to crash it into the ground fly it into someone just just i think she does give you the opportunity to fly them Mm -hmm. brave brave soul (laughs) yes be right there to grab that don't stand close yeah and so that's coming up so our podcast will come out on friday morning so if people want to make the drive uh to great falls on uh saturday it's this saturday it's saturday and sunday saturday and Um, sunday okay uh, kind of tweaked it up a bit this year. We're going to have more activities available. We're going to be making uh, cattail dolls. Oh. Um, we're going to have a station for that. So folks Oh, can, what is this? Uh, basi- <laughs> it's kind of what it sounds like. You're going to be crafting out of cattail reeds. Okay. Um, making yourself oh, cool. little dolls, um, just like you know, the kids would have played with back in the day. Yeah. Um, we're going to have some traditional native games uh, stations where the folks can be making their own pieces for those traditional games. We're going to be doing like run and scream sticks, which was a really popular game. Um, kids really love that one because yeah. it involves two of their favorite things. Running and screaming. Running and screaming. Okay, yeah. Um, so we're going to have the those. energy out. Exactly. Yeah. And then we're also going to have a bunch of different vendors out there at the park. We're kind of trying to get it to oh. be more of a craft fair. So we're going to oh, have nice. some uh, local vendors, some native vendors out there. We're going to be selling works oh, of art, awesome. different crafts. Yeah. Um, and then we're also going to, um, Nana's Tacos, uh, Vintage Nana's Taco Truck is going to be Ooh. out there too. So Yum. we're excited to have uh, all our different vendors and uh, we're looking forward to a bigger event than before. Yeah. So, uh, so as you're listening, Friday morning, folks... Stop what you're doing, change your plans, get in your vehicle, drive to Great Falls for Saturday and Sunday. Because the kite alone, the kite, making your own kite was well enough for the weekend. But all this other stuff. Yeah, it sounds uh, super Puts fun. it over the top. Yeah. Yeah, come out for the day. It's going to be 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. each day. So come out. There will be food right up at the park for purchase. So grab a bite while you're there. And, and is it free entrance to get there and then you just purchase like a kite kit or food or things like that? Or is so there entrance you're in a, fee? So uh, Montana vehicle, um, mm-hmm. your entrance is covered. Um, when folks register their vehicles here in the state, that's where state park fees come from. Mm-hmm. Um, so Montana vehicles, there's no fee. Um, if you do come in an out-of-state vehicle, um, there is an $8 charge, but it's just per car. Um, 
um, and that also gets into any other state park like Giant Springs. Gotcha. I was just going to ask that. Is there like a pass? Is it good for seven days? How how does that work when you buy, when you're from out of town and you come to a state park? Yeah, so uh, it's all just, uh, if Montana vehicle, um, you're good to go, no worries there. Um, but if you've got an out-of-state vehicle, it's $8 per day, and that's good at any state park you go to. So okay. if you're going to be in Great Falls, you know, hit up Giant Springs, yeah. hit up the Buffalo Jump, um, Tower Rocks just a little ways down the road. Mm-hmm. For eight bucks, you can get you and anyone you can squeeze into that car. <laughs> per day. Per car. And that's per okay. day. Um, there's also a week-long pass that's available. Those are oh. $35, and then there's an annual pass for 50 and Those oh, are good at look any at of that. the state well, parks. There you go. Okay, good to know. Other events coming up this summer? Yeah, so all summer long we run our Junior Ranger program. Um, that's 10 weeks. It's on Thursdays. Um, we've got a bunch of different topics. We just most recently had a bison um, biologist out who just talked to the kids about kind of the bison and how they were mm. their kind of historic features here in the state. Yeah, um, We've got one on soil microbes soil microbes coming up um, as well as nature journaling Um, we've done ones on bears before we've uh, got a couple on different native crafts and we're going to be doing um oh i'm trying to think we did a prairie fire uh, ecology one which was really fun interesting lots of of different ones out there we try to change the topics up year after year because we get a lot of the same kids coming out Mm -hmm. Um, but we get about probably average about 40 kids a day coming out to the park we do two sessions um, those are Thursdays. If anyone's interested, call the park. Um, we'll get you hooked up with our uh, information on those. Uh, and then at the end of that, uh, if the junior rangers attend a certain number, um, they get their junior ranger badge, a certificate. Oh, nice. Um, and then for the ones who come to quite a few of those, um, we do a camp out for them, which is really special because, of course, we're a day-use-only park, um, mm-hmm. so you don't really get don't a camp get out camp. there. But we do a special exception for the junior rangers, and what's, we do a camp out. What's the uh, age cap for this program? <laughs> I'm interested. Well, we're always looking for volunteers. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. That could be my workaround. Do I get a badge if I volunteer? <laughs> we can hook you up with a badge. Oh, oh see? There you <laughs> go. That's what I want. That's I've the got motivation. more badges in my drawer. I'll, we'll get your okay. shirt all we'll badged get badges. up. Yeah. And then uh, our other big <laughs> event of the year, we've got uh, our mammoth hunt. So if you've Ooh. ever wanted to throw kind of primitive weapons, uh, we do the atlatl, um, which is kind of the oldest, one of the oldest weapons. Um, it's basically a spear thrower. And so if you've ever wanted to see how they hunted before the bow and arrow. Wow. It's it's a difficult one, but um, we've got some experts who are out there who help folks kind of learn how to do that. And uh, Jim's his name, and he's he's fantastic at it. I've been out there for a number of years, and I would still starve uh, <laughs> if it was me out there with that at level. Uh-huh. Not good with it at all. Um, but we've also got stations with bows and arrows. Um, we'll also do some uh, hatchet throwing, tomahawks, uh, and so folks wow. can come out and Ooh, try some primitive fun. weapons. And that'll be in August. Okay, that sounds fun and. Um, What's the word? Not humiliating, but uh, humbling. Humbling. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) It will likely be humiliating (laughs) Also humiliating, but fun. Yeah. And when is that? That is the second weekend in August. Okay. I think it's the 8th and 9th. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So does the First Peoples Buffalo Jump still host a powwow annually or not? Uh, This year, um, they are going to be doing the powwow at the Centene Stadium. Oh, um, with that's the little shell powwow little that's shell. traditionally yeah. been out there. Um, but hopefully next year we're going to be back out at the Buffalo Jump. Um, so awesome. after COVID, I know they had a couple of years and they're kind of get, getting the getting that going again, and we're mm-hmm. excited to hopefully be able to host that again in the future. Now, did I hear you mention as part of the Junior Ranger, one of the classes was about bears? Is yeah, right? we've done a kind of be bear aware where we okay. uh, taught the kids all sorts of bear biology, uh, kind of the different signs and things about bears. Because, of course, being out on the prairie and being around yeah. Great Falls, um, the bears are starting to move out onto the prairie. Right. So, well, uh, and originally they were more prairie yeah. animals is my understanding and yeah. we're seeing them more in the prairies around great falls have you seen them out at the buffalo jump in recent years we've not seen any at the buffalo jump okay. um so we're still if, Bear free. if you're looking for, yeah. we've got our we've got rattlesnakes <laughs> yes. um but no bears as okay of yet. so one one thing at a time we'll, do, we'll deal with the snakes <laughs> yeah. yeah all right Okay. Not yet. Like you're planning to bring them yeah. in. <laughs> Not yet. Eventually. We'll, we'll work, we'll work on them. I'm in. sure they're going to yeah. make their way this way eventually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we've got the Junior Ranger program, the hatchet throwing mammoth hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, the Buffalo Kite Festival this weekend. What other events? 
Uh, kind of our other big, big event that we do is during Western Art Week. We do mm-hmm. an art show oh, out at right. the Buffalo Jump where we yeah. host uh, Native artists and they show off their crafts. We had uh, this last year was, I think, our busiest one. We probably had over 100 folks out there. We just oh, do kind awesome. of a quick show. We do a one afternoon. Um, the morning That morning we do a rock art hike to kind of tie in the, you know, the different kinds of art. So you yeah. can go from thousands of years ago to mm. modern Present day pieces. Day. That is really neat. I just totally forgot what I was going to ask you. Oh, you said earlier that uh, the difference between buffalo and bison is one of the more common questions you get. What other kind of questions do people ask you? Uh, One of the other common ones is, what is a buffalo jump? Okay. Yep. Um, We covered that. We covered Mm -hmm. that. Um, And then probably third would be, where is the bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) The same here. Yes, the same things. Yes, we do get multiple of the same questions. Yes. Mm -hmm. Not usually the difference between a buffalo and a bison, but... What is a buffalo jump and mm-hmm. where's the bathroom? Yeah, mm-hmm. we get that. So you have bathrooms. We do. Okay. Um, they're right, like, <laughs> before you even get inside the, the front, the main set okay. of doors to the exhibits, they're, they're just right there. They're available. In the foyer. Okay. So we had the really unique opportunity to film our meeting planner video at the buffalo jump. And it was really important for us to start our meeting planner video with the concept of a place that people traditionally have met um, to do a lot of things. And the video we captured mm. was so stunning. I'm so glad I wasn't having to be there that morning. It was morning. very early in the morning, wasn't it? Yeah. However, I'm sad because once I saw what was captured on the video, I'm like, man, that'd have been cool to see. Mm-hmm. And we had our really good friends help us out with that and had native dancers and drummers in a teepee set up. Is a teepee always set up? During the summer, we usually try to have two set up. So we've got one that would be about the same size that people were living in when it was the dog days or those days before the horse when the jump was kind of at its heyday. Mm. And that's the littlest one you see out there. Uh, And then we have kind of a more modern size one, which, you know, and people can go in either of them, but we've got the really big one, which is uh, about probably 10, 12 feet in diameter. And uh, our little one's about six to eight feet in diameter. Hmm. How many people would live in a teepee? Back in the day, uh, one just a family or it'd just be a, the parents? Kind of be a family, so probably maybe four or five folks would be in one. Which wow. when you see that small one, yeah, those Impressive. are tight, tight quarters. Especially You're when you have little kids, there. and yeah, it's not like they're watching TV or playing That's their true. video games in it. They're just <laughs> true. sleeping. This is true. It's more of a hotel. You, how we now use a hotel room just as yeah. a kind of a home base, right, <laughs> for sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> are there misconceptions that people have? when they come out there or, or stereotypes that you hear or just what are what are things kind of the things weird we need off to the debunk. wall things yeah kind of the, the biggest thing is that a lot of folks just assume this is only you know like 100 or 200 years ago okay um and so they picture the tribes using horses to kind of herd yeah. the animals like you do with like a cattle drive or something mm-hmm. and herd them over the edge um but once they had horses they were able to just ride their, those horses out into the buffalo herds, take the exact number of buffalo that they wanted, have the horse to be able to pack everything back to camp. Oh. Whereas before that, it's real hard to sneak up on a herd of buffalo by yourself. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. You can imagine trying to drag 1,000 pounds of meat back with you by oh yourself, which is not going to be very efficient. I can't even wrap my head around that, no. And so that's why they would do these buffalo jumps is that, you know, instead of going out on the hunt and coming back to camp, you're going to bring the camp to where the hunt's going to take place, drive over the edge of those animals that you're going to need that whole herd. Uh, And so they were able to, you know, use as much of that as they could. Mm -hmm. Um, But if there was any animals, you know, they didn't get to, because you drive 150 buffalo over the edge, it's not going to, not necessarily going to get to all those animals before before any sort of waste happens. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't seen as a waste. You've got the scavengers, like you've got grizzly bears out on the prairie, you've got wolves, Mm -hmm. you've got coyotes. Uh, The stories, kind of the oral history is talking about how those animals weren't, you know, you'd think a big pile of meat right there, they'd be just going at it right away. Those stories say that the animals knew there was going to be some leftovers for them. Hmm. So they kind of hung back, waited till the waited. people were done. Then they'd come in and have their feast. That even oh, wow. feeds more into the idea that that was a place of peace, not only among the tribes, but even animals. with animals in the area, there was just kind of this understanding that sounds like of what was get, happening. Everyone's going to get what they need. Yeah, exactly. So I'm curious because I I didn't realize or I had forgotten that this was prior to the horse that these were being used. And just in my thought process, when I think about that happening, I picture them on horses. So let's back up. How did they get them on foot to the buffalo 
jump? Yeah. How did they get them to that spot? They actually would trick them. Okay. They would lure the buffalo. Um, so there was a young man known as the buffalo runner. Uh, mm-hmm. He'd be anywhere probably about 12 to 16 years old. Okay. He was going to be selected by the... This is quite the initiation yeah, into manhood, was, isn't it? it? My goodness. Basically, if he was successful, you go from a boy to a man at the end of that hunt. Yeah. It was a big deal. Um, so he'd be selected usually by the elders. Um, they're going to show him up along the cliff where to bring those buffalo. Because, of course, you want to make sure everyone knows... <laughs> the right where, spot. Because mm-hmm. with three miles being so large, yep. this is everybody how we're gonna do. needs to be on the same page. <laughs> yes. And uh, There's no practice run. Nope, nope. Nope. Yeah, you don't make it out. And Mm-mm. so he was going to be looking at that spot, identifying a ledge maybe four or five feet down where he could actually jump off, land wow. on a little ledge, and then tuck up against the back of the cliff. Oh, my gosh. Because um, the next time he's up there, there's going to be a stampeding herd of buffalo <laughs> with him. Wow. So and this so buffalo runner is the what buffalo you runner. He would actually jump off of the cliff ahead of the stampede yep. onto that one spot. Yep. And so the way he would get oh, buffalo yeah. <laughs> to follow him up there is he was dressed as a buffalo calf. Okay. And he's going to head out, looking around the prairie, trying to find these buffalo herds, which out at our buffalo jump, you've got just tons of area where you could have seen the buffalo. You've got the Missouri River Valley, the Smith River Valley, the Sun River Valley, just huge grasslands all throughout the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that buffalo runner going to find that herd, going to be heading out towards them, bring a couple other guys with him. They're going to dress in wolf hides, and they are going to be all looking for that there it is so he's got a couple guys to help him out okay but first thing he needs to do as the buffalo runner is identify the leader of the buffalo herd and during Hmm. the late fall early winter um, when most of these hunts took place at our jump you've got these herds that are mostly cow calf pairs and a few young bulls who hadn't quite left home yet the big big adult bulls they're off on their own they're it's after the mating season they don't really need anything else to do yeah they're just like we're done yeah so that was uh, fun see you next year yeah And so you've got those, uh, the cow-calf pairs mostly. The herds are led by the oldest female in the group generally. And mm-hmm. it's her job to kind of keep that herd under control, keep them safe. She's the one leading them across oh, as they're grazing away. It's quite the job. And it's a challenging mm-hmm. job. You can imagine just, I can't even imagine doing no. anything like that. Well, and more importantly, you just got tricked to lead the entire herd off of uh-huh. a cliff. Right. That, yep. That's what I was thinking too. Is like, ooh, whoops. Man. Man. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, spoiler alert, but. Yeah. She, She's not going to have to really have suffer any consequences for this her is, mistake. This, this is true. That was her last mm, act. Yeah. Yep. So that yeah. buffalo runner is the calf. He gets out about 30 to 50 feet in front of her. He's on all fours. And he starts mimicking the calls calves are making to their moms. Hmm. And that's the moment those guys in the wolf hides, they start crawling around just enough to kind of agitate that buffalo herd. And so you've got cows and calves, uh, the buffalo, bison cows and calves, mm-hmm. looking around, seeing that, oh, looks like there's some wolves. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's get the calves let's to be move. in the middle of the herd. And you've got the healthier adults on the outside. Oh, okay. So the calves are making kind of a distress call, calling for their moms. They're trying to get out and get back into the herd. Of course, the buffalo runner doesn't have a mom in the herd, but mm-hmm. he's mimicking that call, those distress calls. That lead cow wanted to keep everybody safe. She starts walking out towards him to nudge him in, mm-hmm. and that buffalo runner tries to pretend that he's just scared, doesn't really know what to do, and he moves away from her, further away. This is a tragic story from the buffalo's perspective. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel super they, bad for the uh-huh. lead buffalo now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who would have known? She's just doing her job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She wants to get that buffalo runner safe, mm-hmm. and he's just going to keep moving further away, calling. Mm-hmm. The rest of the animals in the herd see... Oh, our, our leader's on the move. Mm-hmm. We better, you we know, all keep gotta going. Go. Mm-hmm. So let's go. There's, oh, yep, there's wolves. So we yeah. better make sure that we're going. And eventually that buffalo runner, he's, you know, got to stay in costume. He's on all fours crawling across the prairie. I don't like crawling around on the prairie at all. There's cactus and snakes no. and all sorts of things. Oh so gosh. it was a big, big job. You may be oh. going for a couple hours, maybe, you know, I was going to ask how long this process takes. It's as fast as he can get that herd moving. So mm-hmm. it, long, <laughs> if he's good, quick. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And so that buffalo runner would be leading the animals. Um, if he's really lucky, maybe they were kind of off to the west, so you don't have really an uphill stretch to get them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because um, our cliffs, that's kind of where we open up is the horseshoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that buffalo runner would be working on leading them up. you got the guys in the wolf hides kind of just milling about the back of the herd. And so you've got 50 to 150 buffalo just moving across the prairie, kind of slow, steady. Because buffalo, when they're at a full stampede, are going to go about 35 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So the buffalo runner doesn't want to trigger that stampede too, too early. Too soon. Because you not can imagine it. humans aren't that fast. No. Nope. Not for that no. long, at least. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. 
And so uh, while that's going on out on the prairie, you have other folks on the top of the buffalo jump building what are known as the drive lines. And the drive lines were kind of rock cairns that were kind of dotted uh, in kind of a V pattern. Um, if you were to look down from the sky, you'd see just kind of two lines hmm. with stones closer together towards the edge of the cliff, almost coming together, but not quite. As you get further and further away, those stone piles are placed further and further apart. You've got folks on top who are building those, maintaining ones from previous hunts, and then also working to put in things like they're going to put any sticks they can find in there. They're going to be putting bones. They're going to be doing whatever they can. So when the buffalo herd is up there, there's going to be people up behind those stone piles too, mm-hmm. and they want to make it look as solid as possible um, when that buffalo herd is starting to stampede. So they go in a specific direction. Yeah. And okay. so they're all going to be going to that same spot. Those drive lines come together basically where the buffalo runners got mm-hmm. the spot picked out ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And that buffalo runner is going to be leading slow and steady. There's evidence of the drive lines at our buffalo jump going out at least a mile away from the edge of the cliff. Wow. Um, so you've got these, there was quite a bit of kind of landscape architecture going yes. on out there. Uh, but these drive lines, as the buffalo runner would be entering with the buffalo herd behind him, the folks on top are going to, of course, see the buffalo and bison, mm-hmm. or bison coming through. They're going to take positions hiding behind those rock piles. They're going to also make sure that their best hunters and marksmen, they're going to be down below the cliff because they have an important job too. They're going to have to finish off any animals that don't die in that fall. And so you've got kind of three different groups all the coming spear together. The throwing and the axe chucking. And bows and arrows and yeah. things. Mm-hmm. And so you've got mm. all these groups. They're all coming together. That buffalo runner would be slow, steady, working through the drive lines. As soon as he thinks he can outrun that buffalo herd, he's going to jump up and take off as fast as he can towards the edge of that cliff, going for that spot he picked out ahead of time. Does he, ditch, does he ditch the calf costume when he gets up? Nothing specifically says that, but if okay. I was the buffalo runner, I would totally ditch that ditch costume because I would trip and fall. And mm-hmm. Yeah, process is started. Not, you got to yeah. just go. I would oh. never be selected as buffalo <laughs> runner, just <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> I'm also curious the training, if they, you know, you think about you prepare for a marathon now, you go through a lot of training. Would, what training this young man would go through to crawl? And that's long. what a lot of the traditional games mm-hmm. were designed mm-hmm. to do was exactly. to train. Yep. <laughs> train for You'd that, be yeah. working on and then not, not only just the traditional games like run and scream or double ball or any of the kickball, like where there's a lot of kind of endurance being built, which mm-hmm. you're going to need speed. Um, but you'd also be working on things just kind of observing buffalo herds, seeing yeah. what their behavior is. Uh, tribes, of course, interacted with buffalo for thousands and thousands of years. They had an immense amount of knowledge about kind of how the herds interacted amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the tribes are able to kind of exploit that knowledge using this, hey, we know we need to get the lead cow. If we get her, we're going to get the rest of this herd on the move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of patience and intuition and mm-hmm. watching and learning these animals. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And then, of course, is that buffalo runners running down? Um, our, uh, most buffalo jumps have a hill kind of right before you hit the cliff, and so that obscures the view of that cliff mm-hmm. until you're pretty much right on it. So mm-hmm. as those buffalo get driven closer and closer to the edge, you've got people up on top behind the drive lines. They're jumping out, yelling, shouting. As soon as that buffalo runner's taken off, that herd's in a panic, that lead cow's trying to figure out which way to go. Of course, from her perspective, there's a wall of people on the right, mm-hmm. a wall of people on the left. She's got, you know, 150 <laughs> buffalo right behind her mm-hmm. who think there's wolves behind her. So that's not that's an option her. to just turn around. Yeah. Uh, but there's, you know, that one guy who tricked her mm-hmm. running down a hill, <laughs> headed back out onto the prairie. Yeah. So I'm going to get him. She's going to, mm-hmm. exactly. She just charges <laughs> yeah. right after that buffalo runner, probably raises her tail. And when a buffalo raises its tail, it's Game nothing on. good's going to be good. Okay. Go so time. Yes. That buffalo runner is charging away that lead cow is following the buffalo runner and then all of a sudden the rest of that herd sees the leaders on the move and they start to stampede the drive lines squeeze them in tighter and tighter mm-hmm. and tighter uh, of course it's out on the prairie so there's lots of dust getting kicked up fewer and fewer animals can actually see what's coming up ahead that lead cat that buffalo runner all of a sudden is going to just disappear and ideally he's going to land on that ledge he picked out ahead of time mm-hmm. that lead cow all of a sudden realizes there's a cliff coming up she's probably going to try to stop not going to work because there's it a rest of ones behind You've got her. all the ones behind her that are going to push and shove. And that's see and if she's lucky enough to stop herself. Because mm-hmm. um, you're 1,200 pounds going yeah, 35 miles an hour and all of a sudden a cliff. It doesn't stop on a dime. So yeah. Not going not to turn out <laughs> that's well. That's train ain't stopping yeah, no. easily. No. Yeah. And so the tribes wow. would make sure to basically drive that entire herd over the edge of the cliff because uh, mm-hmm. they knew that, you know, any of the animals that escaped probably going to go join other buffalo herds. And they were worried mm. that they communicate. And mm-hmm. then 
wouldn't buffalo wouldn't out. come back into this area. And yeah. so wow. you know, this method worked for thousands of years across the prairie. It's pretty much exclusively on the east side of the Rockies. There's oh. just a couple buffalo jumps on the, the west side, but okay. uh, well, it's one of the hmm. most common methods um, used. There's about 300 buffalo jumps alone in Montana. Wow. 300 in Montana? Wow. That's impressive. I didn't realize got there were the that the largest many. head smashed in. The yeah. largest. Not just in Montana. North America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's quite the, I mean, you painted quite the picture of understanding the process there excuse me and in this day and age we think you know it sounds like a very tragic gruesome story but that was very inventive and effective Mm -hmm. in that time for for those tribes survival exactly like Mm -hmm. this would be probably the single biggest like collection of food Mm -hmm. in a single you know hunt process tribe isn't like a family it's Multiple families kind of working together. You've yeah. got mm-hmm. mul- families making up different clans, making up different bands, kind of working their way up to the tribe So there's level. A, there's more than like 20 people right. that you're trying to fend for. So it's Especially when it's multiple tribes coming together to utilize this, this mm-hmm. space. Yep. Gotcha. Wow. Well, I learned a lot today. So did I. Yeah. You learned pictographs. <laughs> and the other one. <laughs> there's gonna be a test later oh boy yes there is yes clark anything we anything else we should know about buffalo jump what's going on out there the rest of this year uh we're open daily throughout the summer so folks can come out and see us we open the gates at eight and close the gates at six but if you want to come out and hike in you know the park is open for hiking sunrise to sunset so you want to come see what those teepees look like when the sun's rising just park Mm. outside the gates either on top or out by the front um and you can walk on in and if you're wanting to you know hike out in the park after we close the gates just park right outside and walk on in it's beautiful in the evenings and what are your what are your winter hours i know it's summer now but you're open in the winter as well we are open year round um so in the winter we'll switch to our uh, winter hours as we call them even though we do it in um, usually (laughs) mid-september um but it's wednesday through saturday um 10 to 4 and then sundays are noon to 4 okay Okay. there you go you heard it here folks yes all right. Well, I think we, we learned a lot. The rest of them, they'll, we'll send them your way to, to see it in person. Awesome. So we have on uh, werenodamexperts.com, there are three other episodes that we have done. Um, they were one conversation, but we broke them into three episodes with Jane Parker Shield. So you can com- contrast and compare Clark's story with James's <laughs> story. And they are the same. Spoiler alert. Ooh. But those three episodes were earlier... I don't know what number. It doesn't matter. Go through them all. (laughs) So you've got that as an opportunity to learn more about the Buffalo Jump. And if you're not already planning a trip to Great Falls just to do the Buffalo Jump, obviously this is the time to do it. Um, Come once in the summer, once in the winter. It'll be a fantastic experience. And if you want to know more, get in touch with the buffalo jump or just show up in great falls and head out there that's all you really need to do so we really appreciate the fact that you've been here shared your knowledge yep. Happy trash to. talk been the expert on our podcast yes <laughs> this has been a blast i love this um so thank you again we will bring you back when you've got more to talk about more stories to share we can't wait um i'm going to actually try and get into the visitor center portion of that building and see we'll the display. move it move past the classroom yeah. and the bathroom yeah <laughs> usually there's just people there like no you're going this way okay <laughs> so i'll get that done and we'll be able to share some more information and then maybe we'll send shannon out for one of those winter hikes so she can see i'd love rock it. art i think that'd be yeah. cool um, so thank you so much, and thanks for volunteering to do the winter hike. Absolutely, I will. She volunteers me for things in the midst of podcasts. This one I am very happily well on board. glad to do. Yes, oh, perfect. So we'll, Looking we'll plan, forward to it. We'll plan that, Clark. Yes. Right. So until we see your bright, happy, smiling face here in Great Falls, we hope you are having a wonderful time creating memories with your friends and family wherever you are. We'll see you soon. We are no damn experts. Is the recorded claims from Great Falls, Montana covering what you need to know about this amazing damn town. Damn, that felt good.